1: Chapter 8 Roger Carr sat in the chair and looked at his hotel room. It was a large room with a double bed and a balcony looking out over the beach. It was decorated in the style of Louis XIV. The large pink flower print canopy over the bed the same fabric for the drapes at the window. The chairs were covered in cloth of green and gold, and the gilded wooden arms were encrusted with the leaves and curly cues. All together was a very feminine looking room, he decided. He looked at the double bed as he lit a cigarette. And recalled how pleased he had been at the tactful way the hotel had given him a dope bed without his asking. He was no longer pleased about anything. The police interview had unnerved him, and he badly needed a drink. Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Hunter, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by uh, Hugh the Donkey Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, for Christ's sake, an aural um, exploration, chapter by chapter, of the works of. Uh, Monsieur Michael Critton. Uh and this week we are continuing our uh, arduous journey through the second of his published novels. Just like the first one, uh, odds on, uh, this book, which is called Scratch One, was published under the auspices of the pseudonym uh, Jean Wange. Well, we got a rip-roaring one for you this week, huh? we we ever. And normally we'd be uh, joined by our two other co-hosts, uh, the signature drinks and snacks that accompany us on our voyages through the rough waters of Michael Crichton. But unfortunately, uh, this episode as the last one, I am, uh, for a vague, scary medical reason, cannot drink. So perhaps uh, we will return to our signature items uh, for the next uh episodes. We will see. Uh Um, But uh, that's enough jibber-jabber and gabber-jibber. Let's jump straight in to Scratch 1. Chapter (laughs) 8. So, Hugh, where did we leave off uh, with our protagonist, Mr. Carr, in the last chapter?
0: Carr has undergone a lengthy interrogation, no detail of which Mr. Crichton spared us. uh, At the hands of one Captain Vicar, who believes that he is, in fact, this uh, international assassin Morgan fellow and was obviously intimately involved in the goings-on that uh, inspired uh, the incident in which he was involved. Hmm. But um, for lack of evidence and as something of a favour, this police captain lets Carr go, Carr who is none the wiser about what the hell is going on, and uh, it was also revealed that Lissau was involved uh, in the incident somehow, and he was not pleased with uh,
1: how it went. It didn't go
0: to plan, in other words. That's where we left off. All right.
1: So uh, as we established, Carr is sitting in his hotel room. He wants to drink you, and, uh, well, uh, he, he dare not go to the bar lest another gunman come out and try to blow his brains all over the wall. So what's the thirsty boy to do to wet his whistle if he can't go out and uh, explore the bustling metropolis that he's found himself in?
0: Uh, Order room service.
1: Well, that's right. So what does our, our good bud get for room service?
0: Well, he asks for a dry vodka gimlet
1: and a chicken salad sandwich. Hmm. Sounds pretty appetizing, wouldn't you say? I mean, I guess. Mm, delicious. You don't like. You don't eat bead, so. But I can imagine it tastes great. Mm.
0: Drawing on the experiences of my life. Uh, during the portion of it in which I did eat meat.
1: Hmm. Never been never been the biggest fan of chicken salad, but uh you know what, I bet it's pretty good. So, um he's gonna get these drinks and uh suddenly there's a knock on the door. And uh well, is it is it room service or is it he but he ordered the, the sandwich and his beverage just a minute ago. How could they have completed it so fast? That's not room service. Who is it then? Let's let's do a simulated knock ready. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello, who is it? Uh, It's me, a small, swarthy gentleman with a (laughs) lewd grin and uh, short, bristly hair.
1: It's me, uh, offensive caricature of a French person. (laughs) What are you doing here, offensive caricature of a French person?
0: Uh, Didn't we arrange to meet over the phone?
1: Oh, that's true, we did. A few chapters
0: back, isn't that what happened? Yeah.
1: So, we are one of the mysteries of the book has been resolved in that the person over the phone was this guy.
0: But before they actually get into details Mm. and start talking shop, Mm. uh, he first has to dispose of a couple of microphones that have been secreted inside Roger Carr's room.
1: So he finds the two bugs and then they have a little conversation, right? Uh Uh-huh. And um, basically the gist of it is... Like every other character in this fucking book, this man has mistaken Roger Carr to be this Morgan fellow. And he has some information, presumably about the arms deal that is the focal point of all the espionage stuff. Yep. Uh, and he's willing to um, allow Carr, or I guess he, he doesn't really want to allow Carr. He wants to allow Morgan, who he thinks is Carr, access to this information in exchange for 5% of like the total value of it right yeah uh do we learn what the information is
0: <laughs> we get a, a hint hmm
1: <laughs> what is this hint uh
0: well let's quote it in a, a painter segment of but what, what's the segment called Is proud come on let's hear And you want some proof? I can deliver. So I tell you a few things, Bon. But I cannot say much, or you will guess all. Only that there are five in it, and the plan is a master, and they will get him unless you act. There is no time, so we'll meet tomorrow We're here. That's it. That's the quote.
1: So uh, that that little open at the end is him him giving Carr a coin or ring, rather a ring. And uh, he needs to go to a. Toilet, a public toilet or a toilet public, which is a different thing in France. This doesn't mean an actual
0: toilet. I'm presuming it's one of those little uh, um, things on the beach that you can change in and stuff. Right, mm. that's what they mean. Mm. I don't know. You know those 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 like dangly colored uh, little houses on the beach.
1: I know, I know you mean, but I think I think that uh, typically it just is a public toilet, but I could be wrong.
0: Maybe. But I could. I think it
1: might be referring to that in this case. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he's going to go to this place, and then he, if he wears this, if he wears, if he wears this ring, he shall be summoned into the land of intrigue and mystery and receive the final clue. But uh, all right, so uh, well, well, there must be more to this chapter, right? I mean, what, what's the next thing that happens, you? Uh,
0: then there is a, a massive void in the text. <laughs> And the next thing that happens is chapter nine. Well, oh, okay, I guess we can now end this then. Yeah, there isn't much to say about this particular chapter, but but we've we've discussed the fact that so far this book has been a, a pretty tedious series of mistaken identity conversations.
1: And here we get yet another one.
0: From Carr's perspective, it's patently clear early on in this conversation that this guy is not actually interested in um, selling a villa, and that it's part of this whole mistaken identity business that he's become embroiled in, right? It's obviously, obviously he should be aware that what's happening here is related to all the other stuff that's happened to him up to this point. Yeah. Yet, instead of like really trying to explain himself and say like, this is what's happened to me since I've come to this country, it's clear that a bunch of people think I'm someone else and I'm actually here to sell a villa, blah, 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 blah. Can you tell me what's going on and so I know how to avoid trouble in the future because this you know this is I'm in danger, right? Instead of doing that, he eventually just gives up and shrugs and and sort of answers him.
1: He says, How much how much do you pay? And cars like, I don't know. Like, why would he say that? He's like, No, I'm not paying you anything, because there's no business <laughs> that's conducting. Why would he say that? I don't understand.
0: Yeah, and then, he's like, and then he's like, America is a rich country, my friend. And for such important information, you should pay well. So it's clear that it's not a villa. It's for information. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Carr responds to the offer with perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> like, <yeah>. well, why? <laughs> and then the guy says, it is cheap at the price. And he says, maybe. So he's like, yeah, I've nearly been killed on the street. I should definitely keep <laughs> keep fooling people into thinking I'm the wrong person. It should be in his interest to like really say, "Please help me!" Like, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, no, he's just
1: going on with it for no reason.
0: Uh, Because once again, we are faced with a reasonably brisk chapter, light on detail, light on revelation.
1: Yeah, we found some audio of uh, Michael Crichton giving a uh, very interesting Saudi talk. Look, if I was selling stock at a company that I told you would be profitable in 2100, would you buy it, or would you think the idea was so crazy that it must be a scam? Let's think back to people in 1900 and say, in New York, they were worried about people in 2000, what would they worry about? Probably where would people get enough horses? What would they do about all the horse shit? Sad in, on, sad in, on, sad, in, sad in, All right, well, uh, thank, you, thank you again, Mr. Griden, uh from Beyond the Grave. Uh, we uh, respect your views. I think that's all we can say. We respect your horse shit. That, and that's, uh, that's another episode of... Uh...